0: You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. There is no one more zealous than a recent convert. No one, in my experience as a practicing pediatrician, is more susceptible to suggestion than new parents. And today, new parents are increasingly embracing holistic newborn care. What is a doctor to do to answer their far-out questions? Welcome to the Clinician Roundtable. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Lawrence Rosen. Dr. Rosen is a nationally recognized expert in pediatric integrative medicine. He is the chair of the Integrative Pediatrics Council and a founding member of the American Academy of Pediatrics section on complementary holistic and integrative medicine. He is a consultant at the Children's Hospital at Hackensack University Medical Center in New Jersey. Today, we are discussing holistic newborn care. Good day, Larry. I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. In my experience of 25 years in pediatrics, I'm seeing more and more parents bringing their newborns to my office and telling me they want to raise their child holistically. As I roll my eyes towards the ceiling, I hope that like when I open up the refrigerator door, the light goes on. What do I tell them? What is holistic newborn care?
1: Well, it's good. I mean, it, it it does. Of course, it depends on how you want to define that, and I think it means something different to everyone. It does have holistic and holism as sort of a new agey connotation. I think what parents are looking for today, and I think what they mean generally, is an approach that's a philosophy, and it, and holistic and integrative medicine are one and the same. They're looking to partner with their pediatricians. Parents are much more interested in being actively involved. They're looking for natural solutions to problems. They're asking questions about many of the conventional therapies that we have. They read in the news about difficulties with with medications. They're interested in, in health and wellness and preventive medicine, and I think that's what they generally mean.
0: How do you guide them on a path to wellness?
1: I think it's a that that to me is one of the greatest challenges in pediatrics today. You know, we are a profession that prides ourselves on prevention, you know, more so than any discipline within medicine. Yet, uh increasingly in in medicine, we're becoming a very treatment disease oriented profession, and I think the challenge is to look at those points and those teaching points even prenatally or very early on in life to think about how we can work with babies and their families to help them grow up healthy.
0: Is there anything nutritionally parents can do?
1: Well, I think that that's one of the first areas to target. What, a baby, you know, what are some of the first questions people have? You know, should I breastfeed? Shouldn't I breastfeed? How do I nurse? Um, if I don't, what kinds of formulas should I use? These are opportunities, even prenatally when I meet with families, to start talking about nutrition. If a mom is going to nurse, what she eats may play a role. For example there are certain allergic disorders that are prevalent in families like peanut allergies. And if if there's a strong family history of peanut allergy, it's really advised that the mom avoid eating peanuts during pregnancy and the baby's less likely to have a peanut allergy. Same thing goes with other food allergies. and, And babies often in the first couple of months of life may present with irritability or colic symptoms, which is another opportunity that comes along that we can work with families to talk about nutrition so that if a mom is nursing, potentially it's something she's eating. If a baby's formula fed, it may be the type of formula they're drinking or or a milk sensitivity. That's just one opportunity. The other has to do with the quality of food that we eat and that babies eat. There's a real big trend in even infant feeding towards organic foods, and the question comes up all the time from parents, you know, I hear about organic foods. I know it's a little more expensive. Is it worth the cost? What should I do? you know, is it really healthy? Is there really data that supports it? I think the answer is generally, yes, when possible, there is an advantage to organic feeding for for infants and children. There have been research studies showing that children who eat organic diets, even for five days, have measurably less levels of pesticides in their blood. And that's a scary thing to think about, even having pesticides in your blood that are measurable. Even now, we have a major formula manufacturer that's making organic infant formula for the first time and recognizing that there's a need in the market.
0: That's interesting. Going back to the breastfeeding issue, I know you have training and utilize mind-body medicine techniques in your daily practice. If a mom's having difficulty breastfeeding, have you ever found some of those techniques valuable?
1: Yeah, I think that stress reduction and relaxation is, is, can be an important component of the infant-mother feeding and bonding process. It's really important. You know, more and more we're being asked, you raise a great uh, consideration, which is the mother's health and the mother's mental health during the time of evaluating the baby. We're recognizing more and more that pediatricians can play an active role in assessing the mother and, and even the father's health and the, and the family's health Uh, and that such things as postpartum depression, for example, can be and should be screened for during pediatric office visits and that these things play a role in how the mom and the baby interact and in the success of nursing.
0: Have you ever used hypnosis in a mother who's having difficulty nursing?
1: I have specifically used guided imagery, breathing techniques, and hypnosis. And I also have worked with lactation consultants, you know, specialists who work with the moms together some of them are trained in these techniques, and together we can really institute a good plan.
0: I have parents that are always coming in wanting to know, why is my baby always sick? What's wrong with them, Doc?
1: Today, of the of the 20 or so kids I saw, that was probably half the kids that I saw. I, I think that, you know, of course, some of that is a normal part of childhood. Kids do get more frequent upper respiratory infections. It's probably the number one reason to visit the doctor. But there are those children who really seem to get more illness and respiratory illness uh, than others, or some of them it's stomach illnesses. And I think, you know, it depends on the, the way you're trained in certain cultures like Chinese medicine. Obviously, there are different temperaments or types um, that we recognize And children, have their vulnerabilities. But I do think that there probably is a role for boosting the immune system and and using nutrition and specifically different botanical remedies that may help with these children, looking at their immune system, allergies, et cetera.
0: You're listening to ReachMD, for those who are just joining us, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and my guest is Dr. Lawrence Rosen, and we are discussing holistic newborn care. We just began a discussion of how holistic newborn care may play a role in decreasing children's levels and rates of infection. Larry, where have you seen the best immune boost from some of the things you've done in your practice?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. I think when we think of it from um, really, you know, the evidence perspective, um, it's mixed. Uh, if you look at echinacea, which is probably the most commonly used herb for immune support in children, there's mixed data. There were there are two reports that came out of the same study group in, in Seattle. One showed that, uh, you know, in this small study that echinacea was really not effective in in shortening the course of upper respiratory illness, which is what we thought it always has done. The other one showed that in the same group of kids, it did seem to prevent when used during the winter time, and, and those kids had less colds, which is sort of counterintuitive to those of us that, that um, use echinacea. I think the jury is out, and I think it poses the difficulties about using herbal medicines in terms of quality control and safety and efficacy. One of the things I do use frequently, you know, you bring up colds, but ear infections are also really a common thing that we see. And I think there's a real concern about overuse of antibiotics for ear infections. So that when I look at a child who has an ear infection, I first try um, herbal eardrops. There's a mixture of different herbs such as garlic and, garlic and mullein and an olive oil base or oil base that's really very, been shown to be very effective for pain and, and management of ear infections So it's just an area where botanical medicine can come into play.
0: Herbs are very popular, and you discussed echinacea. Are you concerned about the fact that they're unregulated?
1: I am concerned. I think that it's a slippery slope, though. I think that you know, in an ideal world, we would feel comfortable that the quality of the products was excellent that we could trust. On the other hand, I think that we can run to the other gamut, which is that nutritionals and herbals may come to the point where if they're held to a standard that may not be met, that we may run into trouble in terms of the regulation. I think overall, I, the way that I would have it would be that we would be able to advise families and parents that the therapies are safe and that they're reliable. Whether they're effective or not is a, is a question that you know research is going to have to answer.
0: What about the issue of drug interactions? Herbs are pharmaceutical agents.
1: Absolutely, and I think the idea that natural means safe is obviously not correct, um, there are numerous examples of, of nutritionals and supplements and botanicals that can affect bleeding time, for example, whether it's St. John's wort or um, certain you know, omega-3 fatty acids or other herbs. Um, so that if we have children going in for surgery, there have been numerous studies looking at asking kids going into surgery if they're using herbals and the potential interactions with anesthetics or other um, agents. We have to be really careful. We have to ask those questions. I think that's one of the primary points.
0: There's the old saying, buyer beware. Are there medicine men, profiteers out there diluting and bilking the public out of millions of dollars for these products, many of which have no proven values?
1: I know that there are. It really puts a great onus on us as practitioners, integrative practitioners, to walk that line carefully and to say, you know what, we, we are looking at uh, no differently than in conventional medicine, looking at both unconventional and conventional therapies, that parents really need to be careful, have great communication with their pediatricians, have an open dialogue from both sides of the coin.
0: To change our topic a little bit, is co-sleeping an issue you deal with as part of holistic newborn care?
1: Yes, I think the families that seek out um, holistic pediatricians tend to be more interested in co-sleeping, the practice of having the infant sleep in the bed with parents or near the bed, the conventional concern about that and that's been written about by the American Academy of Pediatrics is that the incidence of sudden infant death syndrome may be affected by sleeping position with with parents the only data that i've seen that's compelling though is that co-sleeping really may be dangerous if the parents smoke and that's really something you know clearly we should advise against that no matter what but that may be an issue but in general I think that the, the jury's out, and, you know, you get into um, counseling about cultural practices and what's normal, and in many cultures, co-sleeping with babies is really the norm and really helps to increase breastfeeding, which is healthy. So, you know, it's a, it's a very complex issue.
0: If you were going to give our clinicians the bullets on major points to give a family that wants to raise their child holistically, what would you tell them to do?
1: I would say that as a practitioner, you know, have an open, honest dialogue with your families about what they're interested in doing so that you can have the communication. I think paying attention to what I think of holistic factors that are lifestyle factors, nutrition and fitness and mind-body skills, that doesn't have to involve any alternative medicine, but these are just good guidelines for life. Those are the ways through for common dialogue and, and commonality, and I think those are the most important things.
0: Do you use any of these techniques on your own family or did you when they were young?
1: I do. I do. I have uh, two children aged six and nine, and in our family we pay a lot of attention. And, uh, you know, I think it's important for parents and pediatricians to set um, examples as role models. So my children learn about health through me and through my wife and the the kinds of foods that we eat and the way we eat and the way we go about, um, you know, you mentioned mind body or relaxation techniques or meditation and how we live our lives in stress coping. I think that children learn these from their parents and from their pediatricians.
0: And I want very much to thank Dr. Lawrence Rosen, who has been our guest, and we have been discussing holistic newborn care. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. I wish you a good day and good health.